0: The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. With that, let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, and um, the King's secrets. Now, Jesus is telling, teaching parables. All of a sudden, uh, at this point in his ministry, a shift has taken place, and he begins telling what the Bible, New Testament calls parables. Parables are an earthly story. Everybody loves story time. So parables are an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, a divine meaning, or a spiritual meaning. So we're going to be going through that. Let's bow our heads and pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to us and, and give us insight. Here you are sharing out of your own Uh, mouth, you said, I am sharing with you secrets, the secrets of the universe, the secrets of purpose, the secrets of the plan of God uh, the Father, the the secrets of the Messiah, the, the secret of the working of the Spirit of the Lord on and in and through believers, and all in preparation for ultimately the very kingdom of heaven coming to the earth." being established right here uh, before the whole world. So may we hear what the Spirit would say to your church today for such a time as this. In Jesus' mighty and wonderful name we pray, and everyone said amen. Okay, so life lessons, uh, you know, you can follow along with the, the little outline. Jesus' first story is about the wheat and the tares, and um, so, what I've written here to kind of a little thought of principle, of life, of truth, of application for us, the wheat in this story represents true Christians or true believers. The tares represent those who are kind of next to, mingled in and with uh, the true believers, but they, in fact, are false Christians. However, both the true and the false can be side-by-side in the church. So beginning in verse uh, 24, in another parable, Jesus put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. So it was nighttime, this guy comes in. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So he planted wheat. A guy in the night comes, plants tares, and he wakes up and he goes, what in the world is going on? Verse 27, so the servant of the owner came to him and said, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no. No. Lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. The the, the tares get thrown into the fire and consumed. I think you can imagine the spiritual picture there. But gather the wheat into my barn. So this this builds on the the first parable was: you know, a sower goes out and sows good seed everywhere. Uh, and this is what we talked about last week, but it lands on four different kinds of soil. And those four different kinds of soil represent four different kinds of hearts. And only one out of four, or 25%, of the seed, lands on good soil and bears fruit or a crop or is in the family of God. So three out of the four are not. So now Jesus tells another parable. And this one is that there's, there's wheat that was planted by the farmer, but at night an enemy comes and sows tares. When it's discovered, it's like, well, what do we do? Should we go try to rip them out? And he goes, no, they're all mingled together. Wait till the end of the harvest. At that time, we'll separate them. So what I want to say here is that The Lord came, Jesus came from heaven to sow the seed of the gospel. Gospel means good news. That Look, even though Adam and Eve sinned, and they rebelled, and and by sin that brought separation from God, and then uh, darkness came, and the curse came, and we were lost, and now we're going to die instead of living… So, but God still loves us, and He had a plan for us, and He sent Jesus uh, to save us, and to redeem us, and take our place on the cross, and be buried, and then rise from the dead. So that's what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. But since Jesus came and planted the gospel, and began to spread the message of salvation, and that God still loves us and will forgive us, there is an enemy Satan is that enemy who opposes the kingdom of God. First, he tries to snatch the Word from human beings' hearts. If he fails in that endeavor, he has other ways to oppose God's kingdom. He tries to infiltrate and imitate, and he plants false or uh, counterfeit or fake believers right alongside the real ones. Now, here is a warning, because, you know, and and I'm going to just take a moment here and be as direct, as blunt, as honest as I can possibly be. You know, we've got a wonderful church here at Maranatha Chapel, and there's all you people that are here, but there's a whole other service before this at 8.30, and then another one last night at 6 p.m., and all the people that come Wednesday night through the week, it's wonderful. But the truth of the matter is, and, you know, we don't know who they are, but the Lord does, There are real wheat, real genuine believers and disciples, but there are also among us those who are not real, though they go to church. uh, though You you read the Bible, you hear studies, you write checks, you do good deeds, but in your heart you are not really wheat, you are not really saved, you are not really born again. Uh, You're just a good person mingling in and trying to work it out. So I wanted to give a, a kind of a warning because the consequences of this, it won't be really exposed or revealed until the end of the harvest, which is Judgment Day. When the Lord comes, it's too late. So I want to warn you now, and I, you know, as I thought about it I, and I was praying, I said, I want to, I pray that the Lord will give me the grace to put the fear of God and the fear of eternity in the hearts of any tares that might be here among us or that are listening to this message by radio or online or whatever. I recently, you know, heard a story of a person who, you know, churchgoer, Bible reader, listened to sermons, uh, felt, you know, they had done some good deeds or whatever, but was going through a rough patch. And in the rough patch, rather than going in and getting counseling or help or some prayer or pressing in to the Lord, decided, you know what? You know, those psychics have got a connection. they got an inside track. Maybe I could just kind of easily... And it's very easy. It's very open and accessible, especially in times like today. You can get in hold of a psychic. You can go to a medium. Uh, you can go, you know, maybe dabble a little bit online, get a Ouija board thing out or do some astrology. And I wonder what the... You know, maybe there's something there. Hey, yes, of course, there's something there. But I want to I wanna warn you, because the story goes with the same person, and I want to just be honest with you, if you go to a psychic, if you go to a medium, and you've heard the truth, you know the gospel, or you do astrological charts or whatever, I am telling you that you are opening a window of your mind, you are opening a window of your soul, you're opening the door of your heart to, yes, real spiritual entities, but it's dark, it's evil, It's demonic, and by the way, the the person that was dabbling in all this nonsense was also struggling with fear, anxiety, darkness, and suicidal thoughts. And it's like, well, hello, what do you expect? Because that's exactly what devils and demons and false idols and gods and other religious paths do. They've got a connection to a world just… it's all around us. It's just on the other side of the veil, and they'll show you something, dazzle you with something, something that is beyond human whatever, so you, you, wow, you get dazzled, and then you get sucked in deeper and deeper and deeper. But as you get sucked in deeper and deeper, you drift more and more away from the true food and the Word of God, and you open yourself up, and I'm telling you, they are not your friends. They do not care about you. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Demons and the devil hates your guts and will use you and abuse you, and when you are left crying and realizing that you are lost and broken, he'll spit you out. That's just the way it is. So I wanted to show you a picture, uh, because, you know, mo- many of us are not… From farming communities, and you're like, what's what wheat and a tear? Kind of know what wheat is, but we go buy bread. We don't go buy wheat. So that's what it looks like. Uh, and what I want you to notice is that, uh, so when they're young, uh, actually the one on the right is the wheat. You see that they kind of look alike. If you have a whole field of that, you, you can't really tell the difference until you come up really close and in inspect. By the way, that's wheat when it's mature. So it's got those seeds, it's got the wheat. But when it's younger, before it's mature, it looks almost exactly like the tare. You cannot tell them apart. And so until the end, when they start, all of a sudden the wheat and the, and the fruit uh, that there's actually in the plant starts to come. And so they say that because of the, those seeds of wheat that are there, when the real wheat will actually bow, it will actually bend because of the weight which is kind of humbling itself like a real true believer. But the tear, which is basically a weed, it's called the darnell in the Middle East in agriculture, stands up stiff, strong and straight, proud. It doesn't humble and it doesn't bow itself. So I think it's very important for us to realize because Satan cannot uproot true Christians, he plants counterfeit Christians in the midst of true believers— and then he tries to introduce false doctrine to try to get people away from the real truth. He plants that basically the tear is a weed. But when it matures, it has no fruit. It is revealed to be what it really is a And if you try to chew on a tear, it has bitter fruit that will make you dizzy and kind of crazy. But the wheat will feed you, strengthen you, and nourish you as you know. So Jesus' spiritual analogy here is very simple, very clear. As his kingdom grows from when it started 2,000 years ago, for 2,000 years, Jews then went beyond the borders of Israel and Gentiles and nations around the world... He goes, there will be false believers intermingled with true believers all the way to the end. And so the community of Jesus' followers and lovers is not just one big, pure entity, but it will be constantly plagued by internal corruption by false disciples. In fact, there is another gospel that's a fake gospel. It's kind of like the true gospel, but... It basically is, there's other ways than Jesus, and you can get saved, healed, forgiven, and live eternally, and either, you know, reincarnation, there's a myriad of different ways that it comes. Not only a false gospel, but then in the end, it says there's going to be a false Christ or an antichrist, which means an instead of Christ. He's going to say, I got another way for man to be saved. So I want you to look with me, Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 or 8. This, you know, planting of lies, fake false gospels, other ways, other paths and plans started 2,000 years ago. It's in the Bible. It's in Galatians chapter 1. Let's read it together, beginning in verse 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from Him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Man, it doesn't get any stronger than that. Paul says, let him be cursed. Why? Because that path is cursed. It's going to promise to deliver forgiveness, salvation, but in the end, it's going to be darkness and separation from God. So, Make sure. And and by the way, another sign of a tear, not wheat, is a heart of repentance. If you live in continual sin, habitual sin, and you give lip service, yeah, it's not right, I shouldn't, but you keep doing it over and over again, and you have no heart of conviction and brokenness and repentance, what can happen is, in a variety of different ways, sin gets a stronghold in you. You can mentally know and say the right things, but your life is telling what you really believe, and you're a tear, and not wheat. So make sure you know the Lord, you believe in the Lord, your heart is tender, and that you are a broken man or a woman, and you are denying yourself and growing and hungry after righteousness and wanting to obey the Lord with everything that is within you, so that when you see Him face to face, He says, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the reward prepared for you before the foundations of the earth. Amen? Okay, so let's go to the next life lesson, another story, another parable about the mustard seed, verses 31 and 32. So this story, it's a very short, simple little illustration, and the main point is though the kingdom has very small and humble beginnings, eventually its growth will cover the whole earth. Verse 31, another parable He put forth to them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which is not maybe the smallest seed, but it's within, you know, within a couple, it's just about as small as it gets, for a seed and agriculture in the Middle East, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. So here... Jesus is saying that this is the plan of God. This is salvation of mankind, millions and ultimately billions of people. And and how did it start? It started with one Jewish man, a rabbi named Jesus of Nazareth. He was born in a very humble little town called Bethlehem. But he grew up and was raised in a place that was not known for great spirituality called Nazareth. And he didn't do anything extraordinary and he performed no miracles for the first 30 years of his life. In fact, he was an apprentice like his father. He was a carpenter. But that whole time that he was growing and in his relationship with what he said was, my father in heaven, There was a day when Jesus took his tools of carpentry. He took the dust off his hands. He went down to the Jordan River. He was baptized by John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit came on him in the form of a dove. And all of a sudden, it was like an explosion went off. And miracle after miracle, divine intervention, the dead being raised, the blind seeing, the deaf are hearing, the lame are walking, demons are being cast out. He's rebuking winds and waves and walking on water. Woo! It was like heaven came exploding through him for three and a half years. So then he only picks… So that's just him, though. And then he picks 12 guys, 12 Jewish men, to be exact to be the beginning of this spiritual movement. Now, this is a small beginning even uh, in the Jewish world. So of all the people on the earth, God had a plan that goes back 4,000 years ago. Through Abraham's seed, the Messiah would come, which means he would have to be Jewish. So the Jews are a small people, one-tenth of one percent of the world's population, and yet from this tiny start, would come a faith movement that I am telling you now today, two thousand years later. You know, disregard what you may have heard. I'm telling you that Christianity is the largest and is the fastest growing up to this date spiritual movement on planet Earth, with over two and a half billion, with a B, people, two thousand years later that say Jesus is the guy. <laughs> pretty powerful. Pretty amazing. From a mustard seed. And now this plant that is grown around the... Now, remember, you got tares and wheat in the institution part of it. But then it becomes like a tree, and the birds are in its branches. The birds may apply to the Gentile nations, kind of like King Nebuchadnezzar and dreams that have to do with him and the Babylonian Empire. But I want to say this. Because, you know, a lot of people have been hurt by the church and the institution and critical and criticized and this and that. But I want you to know this. Jesus said to Peter, when Peter, he said, well, who do you guys say that I am? And Peter said, we know who you are. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, Peter. But my father was in heaven because you're right. That's who I am. And on this rock, and he wasn't talking about Peter the man, but he's talking about the confession that Peter made, the identity of who he is, on this rock, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. And he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I want to tell you from then to now, 2,000 years later, I know all that's going on, you know, in the church and around the world and this and that, but I want you to know the real church, he knows the real wheat, he knows those who are really his children, his sons and daughters and followers. And Jesus, oh, how He loves His church. His purpose for His church is being done, and there's not a thing the devil or the Antichrist or anybody can do about it. His will is being done. His purpose is being accomplished. It's on the earth. Jesus loves His bride. He died for His bride. He's coming back for His bride. And woe to anybody that gets in between Jesus and the bride when He comes back. Amen? The success of the gospel does not therefore mean the whole world will become Christians, but that this message of the gospel will eventually reach the whole world so that everyone will have had a chance. So I want you to read with me. This is the the idea of the success of the gospel. Everybody's going to get a chance, but not everyone will say yes to it. Thank God for those who do. Let's read Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom, will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Okay, now here's, listen to this, that, you know, for 2,000 years, the gospel's been going out and going from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. Kind of San Diego is the ends of the earth from Jerusalem. Here we are. The gospel is here. Here we are, believers following Him. But even now, because of modern technology, modern technology to me is like The the ancient Roman roads. Remember the Roman Empire? God wanted his gospel that started in little obscure Israel, he wanted it to get to the whole world, which means it had to go through the Roman Empire. Well, how did they bring the gospel from Jerusalem to all of those cities around the ancient Roman world? Through the Roman roads. The Roman Empire that built the Roman road system that connected the world together are the same roads that were used by Paul and Silas and the missionaries to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the whole known world within one generation. I believe that the modern roads of technology and social media, which can be used for great evil are also being used and designed by God to bring all seven billion people the opportunity to see and to hear and to know God's message of love and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe that we're living, we're, we're, we're like right there to where the whole world is hearing and the whole world's having a chance. And Jesus said, when they've all heard, then the end will come. All right, let's go to the next life lesson, verses 33 through 30. Uh, five. it says, and then another parable. And this, we'll finish with this one. And another parable He spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Now all these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable He did not speak to them. In order that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, so this was predicted, this was prophesied in ancient times by real prophets, by the Holy Spirit, Here's what the prophecy said. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. God said that when my son comes, he's going to open up the secrets of the universe, the secrets of the purpose of life, the meaning of life, what the universe is even all about, let alone little tiny planet Earth and all these little human beings that are walking on it. So he gives this analogy there. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. I want you to know the kingdom of heaven works, therefore, from within. Leaven is used in many contexts in the Bible and is often used as an uh, illustration or symbol of evil. I'm sure you're all familiar with Passover, the night that all the Jews were going to be liberated after 400 years of slavery and, and on into Egypt. And because they had to do it in haste. I mean, that night, the death angel was going to go out, the firstborn of those who didn't have the blood of a lamb on their doorposts, the firstborn's life would be gone. So he said, it's going to be fast. You've got to be ready to go, be ready to move. Therefore, leave, get all the leaven out of your house. You don't have time for that. You've got to just take unleavened bread with you. So leaven became a type of evil or sin. Leave the leaven behind. And then Jesus talks about the leaven of the Pharisees. So leaven can and is used as a type of, of uh, sin, but the word for leaven in Hebrew, kometz, which means sour, is also an apt description of the effects of yeast uh, within bread, and so uh, there there can be a positive use even for the concept of leaven. It can be used as a positive truth. Uh, And if you have a pen or pencil, we don't have time to dive deep down into this, but you can write these Scriptures down and read them later. Leviticus chapter 7, verse 13, and Leviticus chapter 23, verses 17 and 18. And why that's important is that they were actually instructed in Leviticus how to worship God… And in several instances, uh, in other words, for the sacrifices and the bread of the presence, God specifically told them to use leaven. Put leaven in the bread, in my holy temple, in my presence. So thus, leaven can be used as a positive truth. In other words, uh, the growth of the kingdom is like leaven that permeates the dough and causes it, what does what uh, leaven do? Causes it to expand. And in the end, that it's all leaven. So I want to go through four uh, applications of leaven and how that can be like the gospel, spreading through the whole earth. Number one, the kingdom of heaven may have small beginnings, but it will impact the whole earth. I know we've kind of said that, but I want you to note that yeast is kind of our English word for leaven. Yeast. You know what yeast is? Is microscopic in size. And even though it's microscopic, there's a process uh, that, that takes place in the bread that it spreads all the way through the dough. And while on the one hand, for evil leaven, it, it can puff up like with pride, but on the other hand, leaven can puff up bread to make it a nice loaf of bread that nourishes and strengthens you. And so it speaks of arising. So it's a process that can be used either positive or negative. Now, number two, the kingdom of heaven exerts influence, like leaven, from the inside out. This is the way that God works. The first thing that God does when you ask Jesus to come into your life is He comes inside of your heart. No one can physically see it. I think in the spiritual realm they can. But the Holy Spirit, who is real, the Holy Spirit, God is light. I believe that every believer that invites Christ and His Spirit into them, if you had spiritualized, literally the light of the glory of the Spirit of God comes inside of you and then begins working on you on the inside. Nobody on the outside can see it, but your heart begins to melt your desires begin to be changed. Instead of liking the things of the filth and the world and the flesh and evil, demonic things, you, uh, they disgust you. And now you desire things that are holy, that are healthy, that are pure, that are enlightening, that are filled with love and joy and peace and the fruit of the Spirit. So the gospel, the, the power of the Spirit comes from within, manifests itself outwardly, and you begin to arise, growing into the full maturity of the image of Jesus Christ, just like leaven does. Number three, the end result of the gospel will be global in scope. Uh, The result of the kingdom, it will affect the whole earth. As yeast works until dough is completely risen, so the promises and blessings of the kingdom of heaven will work from the inside out until the whole world has been transformed. And that's awesome. I mean, literally, it's not just that, you know, the planet Earth is, when the kingdom comes, as believers walking on the Earth. But every, so there was a curse on us, that's removed. Now we have new bodies, we live for eternity. But the mineral kingdom was cursed when Adam sinned. Guess what? God's going to heal the mineral kingdom. And then the curse, because the ground was cursed, weeds and thorns and thistles grew. God's going to heal and remove the curse on the plant kingdom. And then animals, when sin came, they started eating and devouring one another. They didn't used to do that in the Garden of Eden. So God's going to heal that. The animal kingdom is going to be healed. The mineral kingdom, the plant kingdom, uh, you know, the the vegetation kingdom, mankind. I mean, man, the the most healthy green thing you can do is be a lover and follower of Jesus Christ. Do I hear an amen on that? Do you get what I'm saying? There's nothing more green than the kingdom of heaven, because it removes all the curse all of the way. And the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, of the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea, Habakkuk 2.14. Fourth and finally, although the kingdom works invisibly, its effect is seen by all. That's what leaven does. Yeast does its work slowly, secretly, and silently, But it's always working, and no one can deny its effect in the end. The nature of yeast is to grow and to change whatever it comes in contact with. So also, if you allow the real, living, risen Spirit of Christ within your life, He will change you. And he who has begun a good work in you will continue it until it's complete and perfect. You will be like him in character, and you will be mature, and you will be following his will forever and ever in the kingdom of heaven. So, hallelujah. This is, you know, we're not messing around. This is not just happy talk and parables and principles it's life and death. It's real, it's blessing, it's spiritual, it's supernatural. And so, closing, let's read 2 Corinthians 3.18. Let's read this out loud. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Okay, so you, you want to circle that word Transformed metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. It's the same word that is used when Jesus went up on the mountain and was transfigured, and all of a sudden His skin, His clothing, His hair became brilliant, white like lightning. That word of that transfiguration is the same Greek word used here of what happens inside of you and me when we invite the Holy Spirit and he begins working on us. And it's gonna affect every, it's gonna touch every area of your life and God's not gonna stop until you come fully risen to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Woo, it's good stuff, hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.